Welcome to the American Railroading Podcast, brought to you by the Revolution Rail Group, live from the great state of Texas. We'll discuss a wide range of topics related to the railroad industry, from regulatory items and the challenges our industry faces, to passenger rail excursions, and recognizing U.S. Armed Forces veterans in our industry. Join us as we educate, entertain, and explore the world of American railroading. Here's your host, industry veteran, Don Walsh. Well, hey, welcome everybody to the American Railroading Podcast. I am your host, Don Walsh, President and CEO of the Revolution Rail Group. We are the anchor sponsor of the American Railroading Podcast. We're a consulting and brokering firm in the rail car industry. So if you're needing consulting assistance with process flow analysis, market analysis, merger and, acqu- merger and acquisition assistance, we can help you with that. Also on the brokering side, if you're looking to buy, sell, lease, or sublease rail cars of any kind, we can assist you. You can reach out to us today at 844-455-3434 or info at therevolutionrailgroup.com. You can also check out our full suite of services at therevolutionrailgroup.com. So happy new year. It's unbelievable that it's 2024 and we're almost all the way through January already. By the time this airs, it'll nearly be the end of the month. We're moving so fast, but a lot's been going on this month. A lot of good things, a lot of crazy weather all over the place. Hopefully everybody's okay and made it through all that and that none of your rail cars got flooded out because that would be bad. You have to change out wheels and everything with the getting bearings inspected. Nobody wants to do that. <laughs> but thanks to all of you, all the listeners, all the viewers. And by the way, we've been getting a lot more viewers on our YouTube channel. So thank you for that. Our episode with Joe Schisler Sr. in particular, episode nine, boy, we got a bunch of views on that. So we'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, thank you for that. And as a result, we remain in the top 10% of all podcasts globally, which is truly amazing. We've been downloaded again in 26 countries around the world, 34 different podcast platforms. So so thank you so much. And please continue to download, to share, and leave us reviews. Reviews really help us to get further and further out into the interwebs due to the algorithms. So if you'd like to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our website, please do. It really helps us out a bunch. And if you liked what you've heard, you can also buy us a cup of coffee. If you go on our website, you look at the bottom left-hand corner, you'll see a little yellow coffee cup and you can click on that and you can buy us one cup, three cups, five cups, or 10 cups of coffee. And you can think of it as leaving us a tip for doing a good job. So if you like what we've done, please feel free to buy us a cup of coffee. Thank you. Those of you that have, and those of you that will. Um, don't forget, we also, I think I just mentioned we have our YouTube channel. You can find that out if you like to watch the videos more than listen to the audio at AmericanRailroading.net, which is our website, or at YouTube at American Railroading Podcast. And it is a lot of fun. I have to admit, I enjoy the video part now as much as I do the audio. I used to not like video because <laughs> you don't like seeing yourself on TV, right? But I've gotten more comfortable with it. And, and our Our audience really enjoys it, so feel free to take a look at both. Our online store is nearly here. I know it's taken some time, but we want to make sure it's right so that you have a good experience when you get out there and get onto our our store. We've beta tested all the way through now, so it's really neat. I think you're really going to enjoy it. We've actually ordered items now. We've had them shipped. We've had them received, so we've seen the whole process through from beginning to end, and it's really, really cool. There's still a few things we need to work out, but we're almost there. So I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit and say that we're really shooting for February, by the end of February, for the store to go live. One thing that I will say is that the challenge coins, if you're looking to buy our challenge coins, and please do because a portion of that goes to uh, support Boots for Troops this year. We're going to put a portion of the proceeds from the challenge coins towards Boots for Troops and their endeavors. So the, what we're experiencing there, which you're going to see when you get on the store, is that if you're buying a challenge coin and other items, it's going to make you separate the two orders out because they're from two different companies. 
through different providers. So that's the one glitch that we cannot find a workaround for, and I apologize for that. It's a minor inconvenience, I know, but it'll also be written when you look at the challenge coin um, description. It'll explain that as well. So just be prepared when you go in for the first time, and I apologize in advance, but it's just a minor inconvenience. I'll take you one more step than normal. We are accepting sponsorships still for 2024, and it's really cool the way we've laid it out for people. So if you're interested in that, feel free to reach out to us at marketing at AmericanRailroading.net. Again, marketing at AmericanRailroading.net. We've got a platinum sponsorship, a gold sponsorship, and a silver sponsorship available. Now, there's only one platinum sponsorship. So if you want your company to be the biggest and the baddest sponsor of the American Railroading Podcast heard about in 26 countries around the world, then let us know that you're interested and we'll send you information on, on that as well as the other options as well. But we're really excited about that moving forward with sponsorships into season two in 2024. So don't hesitate to reach out to us again, marketing at AmericanRailroading.net. So I can't believe that season one has come to an end. It was a really amazing experience, I think, for all of us, certainly me as a new podcast host with it being brand new out on the Internet and in the world of railroading. We've gotten tons of great feedback um, and we're looking forward to season two. But before we do that, we want to start out by really talking about season one, kind of going through um, where we were, what we've seen, how it went, and where we're going moving forward. And so I want to just introduce our guest to you today. And our guest for today's episode is me. <laughs> so you're stuck with me for the whole episode. So I'm not going to go into my bio, my background. You know, I like long, long side of the beach and that kind of thing. Uh, no. So I'll go through uh, what we're going to talk about instead. And uh, I can't introduce myself, obviously. So we're going to bring in producer John. Say hello, producer John. Hello, everyone. How are we doing? Doing good, I think, out there in the interwebs. They ought to be. I know. I asked them a question, but they can't answer me. That they, was... they can. I think we got thumbs up across the board. Okay, there we go. Yeah. So I'm going to review the podcast from 2023. I'm going to then hand things off to producer John with some Q&A where we're going to talk about um, my input on the industry in 2024, where I think it's headed um, based on my expertise in the industry. And then we'll also talk about where the podcast is headed in 2024. So, so welcome aboard, everybody. Um, let's go back into episode one for season one which was our first ever, and that was with Wendy Buckley. Wendy Buckley was president and CEO of Stars Hazmat Consulting, and I actually saw her at the Midwest Association Rail Shippers Conference earlier this month, and uh, we just had big grins on our faces talking about the episode, talking about how it went, and talking about the feedback that we've gotten, and she has confirmed that she would like to be on the the anniversary date episode um, of American Railroading Podcast in March. So we will have Wendy back on the podcast in March for our one-year anniversary and talk some more hazmat, some more safety, and all kinds of neat things with Wendy. So we're really looking forward to that. And the episode, if you didn't listen to episode one, shame on you. Go back and listen to that. Um, we talked about safety and hazmat transportation by rail. And we literally covered everything in the process from the time a rail car is loaded with a hazardous material to the time that it's unloaded and everything in between. And we did also discuss and touch on uh, the hazmat response in East Palestine, Ohio, from February mm -hmm. of 2023. So we didn't talk about why it happened or how it happened. But once it happened, why was the decision made to, to clean it up the way that it was? And for those of you that aren't familiar, go ahead and go back, listen to that episode. I think you're going to learn a ton. I know that we did uh, even here hosting the podcast. Episode two was with Byron Porter, founder and CEO of Hum Industrial Technology. And Byron, I know you're listening. Uh, I apologize again for calling you COO last time uh, when you were our guest. So he is the CEO of Hum Industrial. So see there, Byron, I made up for it. 
And this was our first episode on rail car maintenance and inspection series. And we're going to do more of that this year. So you're going to hear more about rail car maintenance and inspection. And that was focused on wheel bearings. And a, a part of the reason that we discussed wheel bearings is that was uh, allegedly the root cause for the derailment uh, in East Palestine, Ohio. So it just seemed like the right time to have that discussion and talk about how trains are not only inspected when they're standing still, but how are they inspected when they're moving at full speed across 40,000 or so miles of, of track across the United States. So we had a great discussion um, about the how their defects are caught and how we can do a better job as well with new technology. Episode three was with Carrie Gonzalez, uh, who's president and CEO of MXV Rail. And that was really a fun episode for me because I've actually been there. I got a tour of the MXV Rail facility, um, got to see a lot of how um, things are done there. Um, and I've been a fan of theirs, geez, since I started in the industry over 20 years ago. So to be there, to be able to see how everything's done and to see what they're doing, what they're changing, because they moved locations, right? Which you'll hear more about if you listen to episode three if you haven't already. And we discussed what the resource at MXV Rail is uh, in the railroad industry, providing research, education, training, technology, lots of technology, and their long history in the industry as well, because they've been around for quite some time. Uh, the tremendous amount of data that they have. I mean, my goodness, they have a lot of data. And you can see some of that on their website as well. And the world-renowned Hazmat uh, Emergency Response Program uh, called CERTSI, which is for first responders. And it also is free. Um, of course, you have to fill out an application in that, but it can be free if you are a first responder via a grant or scholarship program. So if you are a first responder and you're interested in that, please check that out at their website. And uh, Carrie and I committed, if you remember, if you listened to the episode, we committed to taking on the Smokehouse Challenge together. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little nervous about that, but um, Carrie's willing to do it with me. I'm in. And you also get an American Eagle hard hat as a result if you can make it through and be, be uh, well, you know, complete it. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And we're going to look at maybe doing that, I'm going to say, in the spring of this year. I can't commit to anything just yet, depending on my schedule, but we'll work through that. And what I'm thinking, Producer John, is to hook up a GoPro. Oh, yeah. Maybe while we're going through there. I don't know if that's something that we can do or not. I suppose it has to be intrinsically safe, but. Yeah, it would depend on the heat, uh, but yeah. I think, could, I think you could. I think you could at least run through there. You can get some footage of it. We'll figure something out. And, and, and the say that I run through there is probably accurate. I will probably run, run. <laughs> through the run. smokehouse. I'll probably crawl low. I don't know. <laughs> I think that defeats the purpose of the smokehouse challenge, though. I think you're supposed to. Have you to, gotta complete. Yeah. yeah, through a period of time. I got faith in you, Don. You can do it, man. I'm glad you do. You can do it. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I'll get my running shoes on. There you go. Episode four, it was with Jimmy Rogers, our, our great friend here on the podcast, founder of Boots for Troops. And we had Lindsay Rogers on as well mm -hmm. at a later date, if you remember. Um, but episode four was really focused on recognizing our U.S. Armed Forces veterans in the railroad industry. And we launched our drawing also for the first annual uh, Honor Our Heroes gift package award, which was really cool. It was sponsored by Boots for Troops. And our first annual uh, Honor Our Heroes award was won by Joe Malik. He's a U.S. Marine and also works for CSX Rail. Railroad. So I was honored to have the ability to pack Joe's care package myself. So uh, Jimmy and Lindsay um, and Miss Chris, they they had me over there and they just said, Don, it's all you. And that was that was really neat because I was able to specifically handpick things that I thought Joe would like. Uh, and of course, he told us what he was going to uh, want in the package. He's a big Bears fan, so I feel his pain.
pain as a Bears fan. Um, but he is a White Sox fan, and Joe, I, I forgive you for that. Um, <laughs> so we were able to get some really cool stuff in there, and uh, he was kind enough to post a picture of it all on LinkedIn. So if you haven't seen it yet with his big smiling face, because he got it right before Christmas, uh, take, a, take a peek at Joe's LinkedIn post from around Christmas time. And speaking of Christmas time, I was able to, um, as a result of it being the season, get some cards, some Christmas cards that were made by some elderly folks from my church. We do a, a, an elderly outreach program at nursing homes and things like that. And and so they hand wrote um, these cards and had made these cards. So I was able to take one of them and put it in Joe's care package, which I thought was pretty neat. And we put them in a lot of the Boots for Troops care packages at Christmas time. So, so uh, that's just a really neat kind of thing to provide. Um, any thoughts on that episode, you know, producer John, because that, that was really something different to focus specifically on the veterans. Yeah, it definitely was. I don't, I know that we don't have a pod, we have veteran podcasts here, but not, a, you know, just a regular industry podcast where, you know, they're honoring veterans in that industry. So I think that's awesome that you're doing that, that you're going to your industry and looking for those people that you care about, you know, because you volunteer with Boots for Troops as well. And so I know that veterans are on your heart. So I think it's awesome that you decided to do that and honor veterans in the industry. And you partnered with another veteran organization to make a really cool prize. And I think that's just great. Well, thank you. And with two two thirds or so, from what I've seen, two thirds of our employees in the industry are veterans. Well, so, then, yeah, you should be honoring them in your industry because they got a lot there. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, we need to shine a light on them a little more, I think. And I think our veterans will agree with me on that. And so we've been asked, are we going to do more of the Honor Our Heroes gift packages year after year? And the answer is yes. And Boots for Troops is committed to sponsoring that for us. And if we get more um, nominations than we can handle, then we may do more than one in a year. So it really depends on you, the listeners, the audience, the viewers, to please submit nominations. And we're going to launch that here in the next couple of months, not right away. Um, but when we're ready, we'll let you know, and then please start submitting those nominations. We could use as many as you can give us. And like I said, with that many veterans in our industry, there should be more than enough for you to be able to nominate. So we look forward to doing that again this year. Mm -hmm. In episode five, we talked to Denson White, Chief Commercial Officer with APM Terminals out of the Port of Los Angeles. And that was our first in our supply chain episodes, our supply chain series. And that was really eye-opening, I think, for a lot of people. We got a lot of feedback on that episode where people felt that there was nowhere else to get information on supply chain specifically related to rail and truck and, and, and shipping and how it all works together or should, you know, and specifically what the breakdown was due to COVID and what it wasn't. I think that was equally as important is not only did we talk about what did happen, but what was said to have happened that wasn't necessarily accurate. So, so Denson did a great job of walking us through that, explaining all that to us. So if you haven't heard that and you're interested in supply chain, please go back and listen to episode five because um, it was really an eye-opener for me and, again, a lot of the viewers as well and listeners as well because they gave us some really, really good feedback. I say producers too, because that, uh, yeah, that episode for me, learning the supply chain, the the value that he brought to the table in that episode was phenomenal. I could not, I've never heard it explained that way. And like you said, there's nowhere else to get that information than in your podcast that where he explained it like that. I, I've never heard it put that way before. And it was just, it was well said. Well, and he wants to come back and be in studio. So that's something we may Ooh, look forward to. Yeah, I, I would like to meet him in person. That'd be cool. Yeah, no, he's a he's a great guy and a good friend. So uh, he's one of the few people that still sends actual Christmas cards. I get an actual <sighs> Christmas card from him and the family every year. It's not digital. And, uh, it's a, No, it's wow. it's a real hard copy Christmas card. So 
Um, so I've always appreciated that. So thank yeah. you, Denson. And uh, so he wants to be in studio next time. So we're looking forward to having him. Uh, episode t- six was with Todd Tronowski. And Todd Tronowski was formerly chief analyst for rail and intermodal related to for market data for FTR. And I say formerly because he has taken on a new role. So Todd is now logistics procurement manager with Amsty, and I apologize, Todd, if I've pronounced that wrong, but it is A-M-S-T-Y. I believe it's Amsty or Amsty. So congratulations on the new role, Todd. And, and Todd's episode with us was about the U.S. economy. And again, it was a great episode. Uh, Todd is full of information. And we went through it kind of rapid fire, but, you know, it really was a lot of good data. We packed a lot into that hour. And so, again, it was a lot of people that didn't understand um, how much the railroad industry impacts the economy and how much it impacts the GDP. And then it also um, talked about, which I thought was really interesting, is people spending, you know, because it was interesting to hear how uh, people's income hasn't necessarily raised, but their their spending continued to be the same and they weren't necessarily paying their debt down. So we had the highest credit card debt. We have the highest credit card debt on record. Um, salaries aren't necessarily increasing but, and the spending's not decreasing. So at some point there's going to be an impasse, right? And so that was one of the big takeaways for me is that, you know, we really need to take a good look at how we're handling finances individually as well as a country um, to make sure that we're not uh, overextending, right? So that was a big takeaway for me as well as what our role is as an industry. Um, so what I thought was neat to... Uh, John was with some of the feedback that we got on that episode specifically. There was one gentleman that uh, emailed both of us, Todd and I, and he said that he did an extra 30 minutes of cardio (laughs) (laughs) just so he could listen through the whole episode. That's awesome. That it was that good. And, and I agree. And others said, Hey, you know, you got to have Todd back on. So we'd love to have Todd back on. We're going to look at having him on again this year. Um, but yeah, and that's what we love to hear. And we'll get into some of the reviews later, um, about people, the feedback that we got, but that was really neat, you know, that we help, we're helping people stay healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, John, did you think that would ever happen? I'm not on a railroad podcast, I know. but Hey, I'm glad. Yeah. Right. So we're opening eyes. We're, to- we're helping educate and keep you healthy. That's right. That's what we're here for. <laughs> so if you haven't listened to the episode on our economy, please take a listen to that. I think you'll get a lot out of that. And then this was a fun episode. Episode seven. I really enjoyed uh, with Ted Johnston, GM of the Broadmoor, Manitou and Pikes Peacock Railway. So Ted was a great guest and I have been there multiple, multiple times. It is one of my favorite places to go in Manitou Springs, Colorado. So typically I had a customer, still have a customer uh, out there in uh, Pueblo, Colorado and uh and i'm sure he's listening right now so um we had a lot of trips out there for for that and some other customers and i would always make sure that when i was there that i went up to the pikes peacock railway owned by the broadmoor and uh, so to be able to have them on the show and and talk through and share with everybody else my love for it and what was really cool was um we had many many listeners and viewers from that episode reach out to me and say we've now scheduled a trip out there and one actually called me from there when they were at the Pikes Peacock Railway <laughs> and said they were there because of the podcast and said, do you think Todd would mind or sorry, Ted Johnson would mind if we reached out to him while we're here? 
And I said, well, it doesn't hurt to ask, you know. And so they asked if they could see him. And sure enough, he came down and he said hello. He introduced himself and they talked for quite a while about the Cog Railway. So I thought that was really cool. And, you know, and that's what I want our, our guests, especially for some of these fun rail excursions. That was the first episode in the fun rail excursion series. And we're going to do more of that. But uh, realize that, hey, folks are going to reach out to you. You know, folks are going to be interested. And that's really the whole point. So I'm, I'm really glad for, for Ted and for his team out there that this uh, helped get some more folks traveling out there and visiting with them as well as the other Broadmoor locations because you've got um, the uh, the hotel that's out there. You've got the, the Seven Falls that's out there. You've got all kinds of neat things to see. So folks, check it out. Um, listen to the episode if you haven't. We also, on the video part, we included photographs from my trips. Mm -hmm. So you can check that out too. And uh, I think you said, Producer John, that you've been there as well, right? I'd, I haven't gone up the Cog Railway, but I've been to Seven Falls and the Broadmoor and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And Manitou is also one of my favorite places to be. It's, I like that place. It's neat. And, and the Broadmoor Hotel is like nothing I've ever seen before. Um, and it's got uh, at Christmas time. And I know I mentioned this on the episode, but when I was there the one time, it was a full on, I guess it was gingerbread and chocolate locomotive with Santa hanging out the side and and I mean, it's obviously edible. So my mouth was watering going, I'm going to eat that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, they, they wouldn't let me. But I was I was bound and determined. Probably would have spiked your blood sugar so bad. I'm man. guessing. I would have <laughs> passed out right there. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just neat to see that these chefs made this wonderful. I mean, it was huge. And every year they do stuff like that. So it, it's really a really neat place. So folks, check it out. Check out their website and uh, check out the episode if you haven't. Episode eight was with Patty Long. Patty Long mm. is president of the Railway Supply Institute or RSI. And I think that was neat as well. That was um, our second in the rail resources series. So we had MXV Rail as a rail resource series uh, episode and then RSI. And it's it was our first episode with an industry trade organization. And I think that people didn't realize, and a lot of the feedback we got is people didn't realize how much our industry is impacted by Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. And it's important to have someone like RSI and these trade groups to go out and represent members of the industry, whether you're a shipper, you're a, a manufacturer, a, a lessor, lessee, there's, there's representation for all of you. And RSI does a great job of that. So um, to hear about how they're standing in, in front of these legislators, and making uh, their presence felt and our needs known, I think is very important. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. And based on the feedback that we've gotten, you know, that was something new to a lot of people. So we delved into a lot of that information and a tremendous amount of data. You can go on their website and find all kinds of information, information you didn't even know you needed. It's there. Uh, so they do a wonderful job of that. So again, this was a great episode to provide some information on resources to the industry that maybe folks weren't aware of. And episode nine, now this one spoke to me. Now this one was very, very important to me. This was Joe Schischler Sr., mm -hmm. uh, founder and chairman of Rescar Companies and all trans tech. So those of you that have heard my story going back to episode one, um, you know, he was the person that gave me an opportunity. He was the person that gave me a, really a foot in the door as a teenager. I was looking for summer work. And he allowed me to help him with work around his house. And then eventually I said, hey, you know, you work on trains, right? You know, and then he eventually let me start working in the shop in downtown Chicago against sweeping floors, little things, you know. And, and then all these years later, it's come full circle. And so I, I think that, you know, 
first of all, it was a decision makers episode. And we're going to do more of that because I really think there's folks out there, Joe Schishler Singer being one of them, that many people may not realize the impact that they've had. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I said decision makers. I'm sorry, I meant difference makers. Difference makers episode. Um, they don't realize the impact they've made on the industry and the difference they've made on the industry. So I really wanted to put that out there for everyone to hear his story and also hear, you know, the the success that came from some little idea, you know, and I think it was a $3,000 investment, mm-hmm. you know, to where it is today and being one of the nation's largest um, privately owned uh, rail car, um, you know, implant services and mobile repair companies that there is. And then with all Trastech being who they are. If you're not familiar, feel free to check out their websites as well. And please listen to the episode. You know, it was just really something where a gentleman that's given 54 years of his life to our industry and dedication to our industry. Uh, I just thought it was important for people to hear the story and uh, the feedback we got on that. And, and we'll touch on that here in, in a little bit was, was really uh, unbelievable. But you'll hear too in the episode, if you haven't listened, um, is that we offered him a lifetime achievement award through the podcast. And you can tell he was taken aback a little bit by that, which kind of surprised me. You know, I figured he had a bunch of awards over the years doing what he's done and, and being as involved as he has been over the years. And to the best of my knowledge, that was his first award. And that's honestly surprising to me. And it shouldn't be that way, folks. We need to do a better job in our industry. I'm just putting it out there for whoever's listening that has the ability to do this. Um, We need to do a better job of recognizing those that have really made a difference, that that have been in this for 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, We do a very good job of recognizing newcomers. We do a very good job of of recognizing uh, fast risers and all those kind of things. But I don't think we do a good enough job of thanking those that have blazed the trail. And so that being said, um, I had flown to Chicago earlier this month in January um, to go to the Midwest Association of Rail Shippers Conference. So as we're on the runway, now I'm telling you, so many things were in my path to make this trip. And I, w- I had the award made and I was taking it out there. And I don't think I told him I was ma- I had ma- had it made already. I just I was coming to visit. But... I darn near broke my toe the week before I was supposed to go. And (laughs) thankfully I didn't, but it was brutal. I could barely walk. Then I got really sick and that I don't get sick very often. So that was unusual. And so I'm thinking, okay, God, why, you know, I'm going on this trip. I don't care what happens. I'm going right. Then I get on the plane, hobbling on the plane. And as we're on the runway and I've got friends in the industry that were on that plane with me and they can attest to this. We're at full speed going down the runway, getting ready for takeoff, and the pilot slams on the brakes and throws us forward and then hangs a hard left. And I I have flown for many, many, many years, and I have never experienced this in my life. And they come on the radio and they say, I'm sorry, but we had an alert that the front door came open. Wait, what? (laughs) And this was like the day after the plane, I think it was in Oregon. Where the door? Oh, where the window came open. Or well, whatever? there was two. There oh. was one where the door popped off. Yeah, that's off right. Yeah, and landed in somebody's backyard. And thank God nobody was hurt. Yeah, the one you're thinking of was a window popped open, and a little boy's shirt was ripped off or something or something sucked like out the that, window. Yeah. So now that's in everybody's head on the airplane, and they're like, "But don't worry, we're gonna get this fixed." And they did. 
They did, but in the meantime, for the two hours that it was being fixed, you're hearing drilling and everything yeah. going on. Like they're making holes in a perfectly good plane. Yeah. Which of course they weren't, but it, it's all going through your head and making you nervous. And but they did a great job. So thank you, United Airlines, for all your hard work in getting that plane ready to go. And we got there safely, so we're all good. Uh, so shout out to you and your mechanics and everybody, and shout out to honestly to the pilots for catching that and and stopping so we could get it addressed. So that was all good, mm-hmm. but it's it was a little scary, right? So then we get to Chicago and this winter storm is coming in. So now we're two two hours delayed in getting there, and we're, the storm is getting closer. And I was bound and determined to get that award delivered. So um, I was able to get over to his home. I was able to give him his award. And spend three hours chatting with him one on one, and I won't get into that because that's that's personal between he and I. But it was just a, it was a lot of fun to spend time with him. So, uh, and we do have a picture. So we we had a picture that his wife Laverne was kind enough to take for us, and I did post that on LinkedIn. So anybody that has access to my account on LinkedIn or follows me on LinkedIn, please check that out. I wrote a little little story about it and uh, the picture of the two of us, and and also uh, Rescar Companies has shared it, and all Transtech has shared it now, and. And in the first 24 hours, just on my post alone, we've had nearly 3,000 views. Wow. Right. So Joe Schistler Sr. is getting a lot of love, and he deserves it. So mm-hmm. uh, so thank you, everybody who listened to the episode, who gave us uh, your feedback on the episode, and um, also on LinkedIn. So, and, and I know that, you know, John, when you were, because uh, people can't, can't tell probably on how we do this, but John is be- literally behind the camera. So when I'm recording, I can see him nodding his head or giving a thumbs up. And that was an episode that you gave a thumbs up an awful lot yeah, and smiled an awful lot. Um, so I think you enjoyed that probably as much as, as I did. I think so. It, it was cool for me to get to see you experience that, if that makes sense. You know, get to see someone like see their mentor at a later state, you know, life has happened. We've gone and done it and you know just to see you catch up with him and and talk to him and the wisdom that he brought was just incredible yeah it was a full circle moment for me for sure and uh that we did it me too and we'll be doing more of that so we'll be and it is decision make or difference makers i did it again difference makers <laughs> and they make decisions too right because that's what right. makes them a difference maker um, but it's the Difference Makers series that we're going to continue with um, this year, and we'll have some some pretty cool guests on re- regarding that. And then last but certainly not least was episode 10 with Tony Hatch, um, mm-hmm. where we talked about the 2023 uh, Railroading Year in Review, and Tony is a, a senior Wall Street analyst and a, just a great guy, one of my favorite speakers. I did also see him at the Midwest Association of Rail Shippers, or as he calls it, Mars, because you feel like you're on Mars in Chicago in January because it's so freaking <laughs> cold. And barren um but the hot dogs are great i did stop at portillo so shout out to portillo's but in seeing tony um you know he was um, excited to have been on the show and, and really enjoyed uh, being with us and if you haven't listened to it please listen to it it is a good um, hour of rapid fire covering of all kinds of stuff re- related to the railroad in 2023 and we covered a ton of ground, and that shouldn't surprise anybody because Tony is known for covering a lot of ground in a short period of time at these conferences. And, of course, we also discussed his love for the L.A. Dodgers, which uh, shouldn't surprise anyone either because he is the biggest fan. I thought I was a pretty big fan of the Houston Astros 
And uh, that's nothing in comparison to Tony's love for his Dodgers. I think he said that he slept in his Dodgers jacket for five days after they they got uh, Shohei Otani in the trade earlier this year. So (laughs) I believe it. And uh, so anyway, we look forward to having Tony on again as well later on on this year uh, or even in the next year and many, many, many years to come on this podcast because we're not going anywhere. And with that, John, did you have anything you wanted to touch on um, with the podcast episodes before we move forward to our q and I just want to say that, you know, <clears throat> taking on a railroad podcast, I've I always been interested in trains and stuff, but really had no idea how the industry actually worked until working on this podcast. And, you know, finding out how, you, you know, the railroad is integral to our shipping, you know, you know that you just kind of do if you have any idea what the railroad is, but seeing y'all break it down and what actually goes into it and all that is really kind of giving me a whole new respect for the shipping industry in general and the railroad industry. And I really just want to go on a passenger train worse than ever now. And that's awesome. And you know, it's funny you say that because I have people from church and people from the community and just people in the airports. I actually have a t-shirt that I wear through the airports that says, ask me about my podcast. Yeah. (laughs) And surprisingly people actually have heard of the podcast or have listened to the podcast. And even if they haven't, the first thing they ask me is how do I find out about a passenger rail excursion? They, everybody wants to do it. Um, And I know there's a bunch out there and I don't want to say them off the top of my head because some of them may have changed over the years. Um, But there's ones that run through the Smoky Mountains. There was one in particular that runs through the Smoky mountains um goes to washington state and then you can take a cruise ship from washington state to alaska and uh, go whale watching and then you can either take the route back home or fly home um that's been many years since i checked that one out i didn't go on it but i was researching it about a trip for myself so i'm glad to hear that i really am and that's uh you're not alone in that there's a lot of folks that really have learned and that was really the idea is to be educational and entertaining as well but to be educational and um, inspire people mm-hmm. because and also to inspire people to be want to be a part of our industry because yeah we need more you know young you gotta, blood you got to get the young blood in there we need, or else, yeah, yeah we need the next generation to, to be excited about what we do you know and I, when what's interesting is when people join the industry they become excited pretty quickly because mm-hmm. they see what a family it is and it is I mean we are a very tight knit community and um, even though it's a large one. Um, everybody is just so uh, welcoming and so supportive. And I don't care if you're competitors. You know, when I got laid off uh, from a job at uh, GE, we had a 20% cutback. And um, that's just, that was just the nature of the beast at the time. I think it was 2008 when the market crashed. And, uh, you know, people that I competed against for bids and other things like that reached out and said, hey, you know, send us a, a copy of your resume. We want to make sure you stay in this industry. And, uh, and so you feel that, and I think maybe some folks felt that throughout the episodes, the relationships and, um, and that's for real. So anyway, I, we want to encourage folks to, uh, to be a part of the industry as well, if you're interested, cause it's a, certainly a, a great place to achieve a, a heck of a career. So I guess it's time, John, for us to jump into our questions, uh, for Q and A. All right. Well, Don, what are some things that we learned in season one? Well, you know, I, I think it's interesting. I think that what I was trying the point, one of the points I was trying to get across with the episodes, uh, certainly the first two episodes, was there was a difference between what we were hearing in mainstream media and what some of the reality was, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that 
and I know just based on feedback that we've gotten, was some of the things we learned was that the railroad industry is actually very safe. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the, the failure rate is about point zero zero one percent in the rail in, ro- railroad industry, and so therefore it's a lot safer than people were led to believe. And in fact, it's the safest mode of transportation, uh, ground transportation in the U.S. And of course, the industry is continuing to move forward and to try to be safer all the time and spend tens of millions of dollars every year to do so. And it's not required. You know, it, it's not an AAR and FRA requirement or DOT requirement to be safer and safer and safer. Now, there are re- regulations that they put out there, of course, but um, nobody says you have to spend this much money and this much time to improve safety. You know, the industry just does it. So even as safe as we are, we can still be safer, and everyone knows that when everyone's trying to achieve that. So I think we learned that um, in season one. Uh, also, mm-hmm. I think it's significant um, because we were hearing that the industry doesn't make a lot of effort to train first responders. And again, that comes from um, all kinds of sources that were out there saying those kinds of things. And again, we were able to show that that also is not the case, you know, specifically with MXV rail, you know, MXV rail alone has trained 74,000, 74,000 first responders since 1985. Wow. I mean, that's staggering. Yeah. That's a lot. And for free, you know, (laughs) through a grant. And, yeah, and your scholarship program. So you have to apply, of course, and, and be accepted. But still, 74,000 people, and that's just through MXV Rail. You know, that's not including what other, you know, organizations are doing or railroads are doing themselves. So clearly, uh, that's something we learned, is that there is an awful lot of emergency first responder training going on and that you can uh, do more of if you're interested in it yourself. Uh, we also learned about the industry's uh, impact on the economy. You know, with over 700,000 people in our industry, um, that's a huge impact on the economy, you know, because they're all generating a revenue, you know, and they're all paying taxes, you know, yep. on that on their particular income. So 700,000 people um, just uh, is a huge impact on the economy. And um, we got more into that in some of the episodes. So folks want to dig back into that. I won't bore you with all the details. But uh, but that was a really big number for me, 700,000 folks, you know. And then we also learned, and we mentioned a little bit earlier, about how many uh, U.S. Armed Forces veterans we have in the industry. That number surprised me. I had no idea that it was basically two-thirds of our industry is U.S. Armed Forces veterans. And, uh, again, I think we need, we need to do more um, mm-hmm. for them and to give them their their recognition. But I thought that was pretty neat. So those were kind of the, the bigger takeaways for me anyway and uh, a lot of the folks um, that listened as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think one of the biggest takeaways for me from the year was – finding out how that supply chain really works with the trains and finding out that there's regulations in place that kind of don't make sense to me, you know, maybe they do to someone somewhere, but not to me at the moment, but you know, that the fact that we can ship things by truck, but not by rail doesn't make sense to me. And so it was really, that was one of the most eye opening things that I learned this year on the show. And, you know, you were talking about some of the audience responses, you know, when you got into the cog railway earlier, you mentioned that they went and asked for Ted, to talk to him at that place. And so that could be considered an audience reaction from the show. So what, what are there any moments like that that happened for you this year that you'd like to share some good audience reactions? Yeah. You know, um, everywhere I go, every conference, you know, every industry event, um, 
it is such a warm response on the podcast. Um, and even folks that I don't know that have listened, you know, that will leave a review on the website. So if folks want to go to the website at AmericanRailroading.net and click on reviews, they'll see them. Um, a lot of what we get is, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. They could be seasoned railroaders like me, and there's some nugget or tidbit in each episode they didn't know about. So I think that's really cool. That was really the goal was to, uh, to educate as well as entertain, but definitely educate. And so people are learning a lot. Um, and then there's very sensitive moments, like with the Joe mm -hmm. Senior uh, episode in episode nine. I did not truly expect the volume of responses we got in that episode because, you mm -hmm. know, uh, after 54 years in the industry, a lot of people have come through the front doors of the company and um, worked th for the company over the years or, you know, vendors or suppliers or, you know, different folks in different aspects of the industry that have, have met him over the years. And um, I actually had one young lady come up to me at a Christmas luncheon here in Houston, an industry Christmas luncheon, and say that she actually cried uh, watching the video because she had so many good memories of, uh, of that company. So um, that those were amazing responses. And uh, the responses that were now that the industry now has a voice. Yeah, that's really neat. I really enjoyed um, people feeling that way because that was really one of the points as well is that in creating the podcast, I felt that there, we did not have a voice, that there was nothing out there really speaking for us as an industry, whatever part of the industry you're in. And so that was uh, one of my goals as well was to uh, to have people feel a sense of pride in what we do, you know, because man, we get beat up a lot, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> when, when especially you, when a train derails and like, nobody wants that. And, yeah. and everyone will say that nobody, none of us want that, you know, and we've talked about the statistics and we've talked about the money being spent to continue to improve safety. So we're, we're well, well aware that we're not perfect, but we mm -hmm. sure we're sure doing pretty well compared to other other industries, but that's neither here nor there. We really, we know we're going to continue to improve and uh, always be moving forward, but we didn't, didn't really have a voice. This is truly the first podcast of our industry. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's been other um, blogs and vlogs and things like that, um, but that's one of the things I hear as well is, you know, thank you for giving us a voice. And um, so, but it's always a warm response and, and, and that's such a blessing you know, when you're trying to be creative and I love creating things, if people haven't noticed mm -hmm. <laughs> in my career, anyone that knows me well knows that I, my mind is always going and I'm always thinking of new things. But, um, when you're, when you are creative, you open yourself up to, you know, what people truly think. And so I'm very grateful, um, that people are enjoying it as much as I am. Yeah. That's awesome. What's, a what's some feedback that you've received from the audience as to what you know, they're asking what's coming for season two. So what can we tell those guys? Yeah. So, you know, um, technology is one of them. Uh, folks really want to hear more about technology. And so we're actually creating a series called tech talk. And, uh, I know it's a little bit of a tongue twister tech talk, mm -hmm. but, uh, we're going to be putting some, some episodes out this year in the tech talk series to focus a little bit more on technology. Cause there really is a lot of it. I know that we're an industry that's been around for 236 years or so, but there is a lot of good technology out there as well. So we were going to focus more on that, um, give a little bit more um, 
of a spotlight to folks in technology. And then you're also going to be hearing a little bit more from me because for whatever reason, our listeners and viewers seem to think that they want to hear more from me at times as well, uh, which includes my stories and experiences. Because when I am at these conferences, uh, people always want to hear uh, something yeah. <laughs> that I have to say. And I'm grateful, you know, because I've been around a long time and I've seen a lot of good things, bad things, crazy things. Um, you so people, wouldn't happen to want to share any of those stories right now, would you? Oh, gosh. Well, so one that came to mind when I was in Chicago recently for Mars, uh, visiting uh, with everybody there. I grew up there as well. Oh, okay. And so... Uh, I did not realize that, Don. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I grew up in the Chicago area. And so my first... Um, now, I trained initially in a management candidate program um, in Maryland. Okay. So See, I, I thought you were from Maryland because, yeah. Right. So I got sent to Maryland because um, there were three of us in that program at the time, and we got to sent to all three different shops throughout the United States, large shops. So that was the one that I got chosen for, and I really enjoyed it. And there's several folks listening that were from that shop originally, and love you guys, and it was a great experience. I learned a ton. But, uh, but yeah, so I was born and raised in the Chicago area, and so I ended up going back there as a plant manager of a real car repair facility. And, uh, it was, it was, I think it was in the fall. It was, so it was a little cool, a little chilly and it was a Friday night. So all of my folks had gone home. I stayed late to wrap up some invoicing in that. Um, so I could try to get it. I think it must've been month end and I was just putting in a long night. And the only other uh, person there was my QA manager at the time. And so I got a call from our 800 number, our troubleshooting department. And said, hey, if you guys are available, we've got a, 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 I think it was a candle wax car where the steam coils uh, weren't functioning properly. They couldn't heat up the wax to get it off the car. And so the way it works is it's just like, um, I don't know if you remember those old radiators, you know, that heat people's homes, right, with steam. Um, it's the same concept. So you have these coils wrapped around the exterior. So you've got a, you got a tank um, jacket and then insulation. And then these coils are around the actual tank shell on the outside. So um, anyway, you're supposed to steam these things up to help get the product off and they weren't working properly. So they couldn't get the wax off the car. I said, well, you know, everybody's gone, but if my QA manager's up for it, we can go out there. And so we drove out there and we pull up to the facility and this is just, I'm not the only one that's gone through this kind of thing, but we pull up to the facility and the security guard is there and he's got a couple sidearms and he looks at me and he says, uh, <clears throat> you boys got a gun in the truck. And I said, uh, no, sir, we sure don't. And he goes to hand me one. Well, here, you need one. <laughs> and I said, uh, no, sir, that's a violation of company policy. He said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, we had the HVAC guy get gut shot out there last week. And if, you, if, if something happens to you, we're not coming after you. I said, what? So the facility, um, it was adjacent to a storage yard, a rail car storage yard. Yeah. And there was an alleyway you had to go down to get to the rail cars to fix. And there was one way in and one way out. So there was a, you, you had to back that thing up to get out of there. And once you got down there, so as all hell broke loose, he said, I'm going to leave the side door open to the building and you just got to crawl for it. And so I looked at my QA manager, he looked at me and we're like, well, we're here now, you know, yeah, <laughs> so might as well, might as well give this thing a, a try. And so it's, it's me driving the dually and I got the air compressor behind me and I, I am not the best at backing anything up. And I, and I, I actually pulled down there head first uh, because of the way the rail cars were, that was the best to get to the, to the air, to the uh, coils. And we get down there. It was within a few minutes, man, her pop, pop, pop. Zip, zip, zip. I'm like, uh, uh, nope. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, I don't know if they were shooting at me or just right. shooting in my general direction, but that was the first time I got shot at, and I had planned on making it the last. Yeah. So <laughs> we got in that truck, and that was the best I ever backed up a trailer in my life. I was very, very proud of myself awesome. um, at full speed. And, uh, yeah, so thankfully uh, we were both fine. We both got home safe. But, uh, you know, it's that kind of thing that happens in, in out there sometimes. We we don't realize, or I think most people don't realize, that the jobs that we do in mobile repair and a lot of that kind of stuff, it's not in, um, you know, an urb or a uh, residential neighborhood. Right. right. It broke down somewhere. It's always some heavy industrial yeah. spot. So it's a dangerous job. I've enjoyed every minute of it, but that's one of the crazy stories. And, and another one, thankfully we, we walked away from this one, obviously, but it was a, um, it was a facility that handled butane propane, you know, it was a refinery mm-hmm. uh, on the East coast. And this was crazy. So this was a butane car where the, one of the load valves wasn't operating properly. So we had to go out and, and redo what they call the packing. And so it was me and a good friend of mine who I'm still in touch with today, many, many years later. And we went out there, we, we, we did the packing, um, put everything back together. It was good to go. And the loader asked us to stick around while he pressured the car up, make sure it was, it was okay. Well, unbeknownst to us, he cross threaded the load line. Mm. So when he pressured that thing up, that load line came flying off of there and just mm-hmm. whipping around, um, darn near took our legs out multiple times. And so they were both, the two other guys, the load, the, the loader and my partner, they were stuck in what we call like the crow's nest on top of the tank car, right? So they mm-hmm. couldn't get out of there. I was close to the shutoff, the emergency shutoff for this uh, apparatus. So it's a big red button that says stop, right? I did a Superman. I jump, I, I jump the railing and fly and smack that button, shut everything down. There's sirens going off. There's lights going off. Uh, I mean, it was crazy. And, but that stopped it. And thankfully we were all okay. I mean, we were covered in butane, but yeah. you know, it was okay. Um, but it's that kind of craziness. I mean, if we had our cell phone on us, mm-hmm. which thank God we knew better and we kept our stuff in the truck, but just a call that came through what could have potentially Sparked ignited that. something and yeah, caused really bad things to happen. So, um, but what's funny is we had a procedure uh, policy that we weren't to touch customers equipment. Mm. So of course we filled out a, uh, an incident form and, and all that kind of thing. And man, I got in trouble for shutting that pump off. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. For touching what? it. What? You touched it. If I, you know, and I was, and again, I, I wish there was a picture of this. I literally did a Superman over this, this railing and I was, pre- I know I'm pre- picturing it in my head and yeah. I, I'm going to try to AI it together or something. You know what? That'd be great. <laughs> I'll put that in the year interview for this year. There we go. Um, but man, look, I, I, I did all that and I got yelled at for, for hitting the button, but, uh, that's all right. You know what? At the end of the day, I'm pretty happy with the way that all turned out. <laughs> yeah. So I think it goes without saying there, Don, that uh, you're going to have to share more stories on the podcast next year <sighs> or this year. I guess. You know yeah. what? Here's the, how about this? People can can email us or, or leave a review or however you want to do it, folks, because you can there actually you go. go on to the American and leave us a message. So you want to hear more of that kind of craziness? <laughs> there you go. We've got more. Awesome. Yeah, you're going to have to share some of it. Oh, goodness. Well, hey, I made it this far through all that nutty yeah. stuff. But yeah, sure. Hey, I'm up for it. Awesome. That sounds great. And, you know, in the sharing about your experiences, you know, you don't really toot your horn that much about as, you know, president and CEO of the Revolution Rail Group. So you want to talk a little bit about your experience and expertise? In the rail industry? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Basically, I started out on the repair and uh, cleaning and paint and lining and all that kind of fun stuff side. So uh, it was a part of a management candidate program. I know people have heard me say this before. 
And uh, so I literally had to learn every aspect of the industry from the ground floor up. So from a laborer on up to a welder, I did a lot of track and track maintenance and repair. I actually became a, a certified uh, track inspector. Um, there was a course, several colleges have courses now, but at that time there weren't that many. But I went to University of Wisconsin-Madison for a uh, track and bridge maintenance course, which was kind of fun. And so literally everything from that position on to every role in the facility and on to um, plant manager and then eventually assistant regional and stuff like that. So I had to learn everything to, to do in a shop, in a um, cleaning facility uh, that anybody else would do and I had to become certified in everything everybody else did. So I wasn't shadowing anyone. Um, you literally had to do the job as proficiently as them or you couldn't move forward. So... That was great. That was a total blessing. I'm glad I had that experience. And it really allows me to this day to have conversations with both folks on the rail car repair shop side of things, as well as our customers, because our customers that own rail cars, they don't know that much about them. And that's okay. I mean, they're mm -hmm. not supposed to. That's what we're here for. Um, so I'm able to help folks on both sides of the, of the table. Um, and then on the leasing side of things, uh, you know, it's really interesting. So I, one of my largest customers as I was a plant manager in a rail car repair facility was GE and GE reached out, um, at one point and said, Hey, you know, we know your niche is tank cars, which I know all rail car types, but I specifically focus on tank cars because people were scared of them mm. for whatever reason, they just didn't want to mess with them. So I, I, I saw that as an opportunity for me and I really made that my focus in learning as much as I could about them. And, um, just everything to do with valves and gaskets and O-rings and uh, linings and different things and all the regulatory compliance and started going to the AR tank car committee meetings and stuff. So I did all that intentionally to learn as much as I could about what I thought was a niche. And that actually got um, me the opportunity with uh, GE, I believe, you know. And so I learned a lot there uh, from a maintenance manager role where I was reviewing all the estimates coming in from shops, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I went from submitting estimates to rail car owners to being a rail car owner reviewing the estimates hmm, and uh, that's yeah a good full circle to go there though i think it gives you some perspective on both sides you know and it was interesting because the shops hated it ah um <laughs> because they were used to folks looking at estimates and things that didn't necessarily uh always do you know they weren't that familiar with them mm -hmm. um but hey you know it was it was great and then I went on to um, equipment manager. So actually looking at uh, the tank car fleet for G, which I think we had 30,000 tank cars at the time. And so it was my role to, uh, as sales would bring in opportunities, it was my role to ensure that we had suitable tank cars for the opportunities. And when I say suitable, you know, and then people are going to laugh at this because they've been through this, right, as a shop. Um, not every tank car is suitable for every service. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, they don't all, all have the suitable valves for what you need, whether it's asphalt or, you know, corn syrup or molasses or what have you. And, uh, they don't all have the proper coatings or maybe they don't need a coating. You know what I mean? And interior, interior coils versus exterior coils, you know, all that stuff matters. So that was my job to make sure we had suitable cars for whatever opportunity they had and then work with the shops to get all the estimates, um, put together, pricing put together so we can get the customer a, an actual accurate quote. And then after that, um, you know, when the market, we talked about earlier, market crashed and, and, um, many of us were included in a layoff. I ended up going to work for a shipper. And so I got to help them create all their SOPs and work with the unions and that, and, and heal some relationships that were damaged there. And, uh, cause, uh, you know, that's that's important. Relationships are incredibly important in this industry to help 
um, through processes and, and efficiencies. So, um, and then eventually years later started getting calls, uh, to help folks with their, um, process flow. And uh, eventually got a call from a private equity firm being hired to create a startup um, rail car repair company from scratch, you know, so you can see kind of the the process I've gone through in my career, uh, mm-hmm. which a lot of it was intentional. I wanted to learn as much as I could to be as much of a valuable asset as I could on the rail car repair, cleaning, uh, maintenance, as well as the leasing side. And so so here we are today. You know, the Revolution Rail Group is really a combination of all of those things mm-hmm. um, in a resource. You know, And that's really how we look at ourselves as a resource for the industry um, to help others. Yeah, I'd say you definitely are a resource to the industry and an industry expert. Like, And one of the things I'd like to do right now is take a moment just to, because this is something we've been asking all our guest es- experts on this show. What do you see changing in the industry? And I guess specifically in 2024, what, what changes do you see maybe specifically on the leasing car side? Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, I really don't see major changes on the leasing side. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, um, one is the cars are so highly utilized. You know, we, we have a, one of the highest utilizations that we've had in my career. And prior to this, you know, like during COVID, people were scrapping cars by the hundreds, uh, maybe even the thousands. So we started eliminating cars and then all of a sudden we needed them again. So, you know, and coal cars are a perfect example of that. You know, we had so many of them that we were trying to get rid of for pennies on the dollar and trees were actually growing up through between them because they've been sitting in storage for so long. And the next thing you know, people couldn't get them fast enough because uh, suddenly we needed another energy uh, resource, right, to power our, our electric plants for all these things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. So we're also not seeing, I don't think we're going to see as many new car builds. We are seeing new car builds, obviously, and we're going to continue to build new cars, but not like the pace we had been at in the past. And a part of that, I think, is the um, interest rates. You know, interest rates are higher than they've been in quite some time. So it costs more to borrow money. Um, and then it also costs more to build the cars. You know, labor's costing more than it did pre-COVID. Uh, steel costs more than it did pre-COVID. You know, so parts are costing more. So the overall, uh, rail cars costing more. So, mm-hmm. and then we're also seeing leases. You know, the leases themselves, you could get a one or two year lease all day long, you know, for the last several years. And now, I mean, I've heard car owners ask for, especially on a new car, you know, 10 year leases, which is unheard of. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that we're going to see longer leases, uh, maybe it's three years or five years, not necessarily 10 years, but longer than we had seen. And the market is just really tight. You know, I, I still get calls all the time for, for cars uh, and it's, it's challenging, you know, it's not impossible, mm-hmm. but it's challenging. And so I think we're going to see a tight market for the next year for sure. Um, and then uh, elections matter. So, you know, we'll see um, if that changes anything. I don't know that it will. Um, but uh, if anything, maybe it would just change, you know, whether there's a focus on renewable fuels versus uh, more of the gas and oil industry, mm-hmm. petroleum products. But uh I don't know that that's going to be a massive impact, but I, I do see things pretty much staying status quo for mm-hmm. now and, and car owners requiring longer leases. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I appreciate you for speaking to that on the maintenance side of things. I've heard that there's some new regulations that are due. Are they due in this year or the next year? 
So I'm I'm thinking you're talking about um, regulatory compliance with tank cars. So, yes, that's what I was. Yeah. Yeah. So see, you've learned a lot listening to our podcast. Man, I'm becoming an industry <laughs> um, junior expert. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. So the general purpose tank cars specifically are due for regulatory compliance inspections every ten years. Uh, pressure tank cars every five, generally. And it's really up to the car owner to determine that interval, but that's what it typically is. And so it's it's based off of the built date, right? And then mm. it, it, it can change, you know, if you do it sooner, you can make, you know, change that date a little bit. But kind of like the registration on your car. I suppose, you know, and it's an effort to ensure the safety of the rail car because tank cars carry products that we don't necessarily want um, not being in the car. You know, it needs to stay in the car, it needs to be safe. So yeah, that's we're a doing good place to keep it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we're doing x-rays, dye penetrant testing, UTUTT, uh, stuff like that. And it's very specific. Um, so again, it's every 10 years. So when you go back and look at the car builds from 10 years ago, that was the big boom because we had, um, you know, um, the Bakken oil boom mm. and things like that. So we were building a lot of tank cars. And so, um, that, and then we had the, um, the new regulation for DOT 117 come out in 2015, I believe it was. So between the crude oil cars being built, you know, mass by massive amounts in 2013 and 2014, and then the DOT 117Js coming out in 2015, there is um, a lot of cars coming due. And let me let me tell you this, preface it with this: ten years ago, we were saying, "Geez, you know, there's only 110 or so tank car certified facilities in the in the nation." that can do the regulatory compliance inspections, which we call HM216B. And we thought, but just did the math, and it's like, well, you really really needed another 40 or so tank car certified facilities to keep up. Mm. So fast forward 10 years later to now, and there's 98 or so tank car certified facilities that can do HM216B. So we didn't increase. We yeah. actually decreased. And so that is uh, it's a number of reasons why. You know, it is expensive now to be a certified facility. You know, back in the day, it was 600 bucks, you know, and, a, and an audit yeah. to, you know, that you had to pass. And then it was 6,000, you know, and now, you know, it's upwards of 60,000 dollars to yeah. get that certification and that's annually right you know so there's mom and pop you know facilities that maybe couldn't afford to continue, continue to yeah. be a provider um and there's others that you know may have closed for one reason or another or they're still there but they just let that particular certification go and they're focusing on freight cars or something so whatever the case may be we only have 98 or so um tank our certified facilities that can do hm216b regulatory compliance inspections and because they have to be able to do everything. Because yeah. if you find something wrong, you know, you could be a fast track or a mobile and look at these cars, I suppose. But then if something goes wrong, then what? You know, then you have to move it to a fixed brick and mortar facility. Now you're, you're filling out what they call an OTMA, a one-time movement approval, which is a long process. And it yeah. could take forever. Um, and it's nobody's fault. It's just a lengthy process, you know. But by the time the AAR approves it, now it could be, you know, months down the road. So it, it really behooves you to use a full service shop that if something does go wrong, they can fix it right there. They're sort of certified to do that. Um, so the, then you add into that um, the average cycle times. You know, yeah. the average cycle times for shops are 120 days at this point, um, which some people would say is conservative. But um, I'm saying all that because the number of tank cars that they're projecting 
to be due for regulatory compliance in 2024 is 30 to 40,000. Oh. And the number for 2025 is 40 to 50,000. So if folks haven't started to shop their cars already, they're not t technically due until the end of the calendar year that they're due, right? So if they're due right. for 2024, they could wait until December 31st, technically. But if you do that, you may not have a car for a while well, or yeah i mean yeah. it's going to be delayed in significantly because these shops already have backlog mm -hmm. so it's not like they're sitting there waiting for these cars to come in you know? right yeah and uh so then and and there's other tank cars that if they were retrofitted and i'm sorry if i'm boring people with all this jargon but yeah. if they're if they were retrofitted like there was what's called a cpc 1232 tank car when the regulation changed in 2015 those cars either had to be modified to meet the new regulations, which would have made them a DOT 117R for retrofit or change a service or scrap it or whatever. But you know, they were, they have to make a change by a certain deadline. Mm -hmm. So any of those cars that were retrofitted to the new standards may have also changed their regulatory compliance date uh. as a result, depending on what all they did. So if they did the full gamut and got it recertified at the same time, you know, went through the requalification at the same time, then they may all also be due in 2015 or 2025 as wow. a result. So that number is uh, a bit speculative, but I think that's it's a conservative number. So bottom line is we don't have the capacity um, to move things through. We would have to move, I think it's something like 38 tank cars mm -hmm. a month out of every one of those 98 shops to keep up over the next two years. And and that's that's assuming they have no backlog, which they do. Right. And that there aren't any other. That's a perfect situation. Yeah. Well, and that those tank cars aren't going to have any other problems. You know, exactly. Yeah. If it's inspect it and ship it, cool. But, you know, reality says that they're going to need lining touch-ups. They're going to have coil right. problems. They're going to have a, you know, a valve that needs to be rebuilt or whatever. You know, I mean, it's bearings just, like you talked about earlier. Yeah. It's just the nature of it, you know, because these cars are moving, you know, a million miles a year or whatever they are. So, mm -hmm. um, so anyway, I think that it's challenging, but some. Uh, well, you want the cars to be safe too. So it's, it's a good thing, but I, I see where you're coming in, like. If you got tank cars in 2024, 20, you know, you better be looking at getting those maintenance in proper times because you could find you could find yourself in a tough spot and having to call Don and pull a Hail Mary. <laughs> well, and I'm hoping that most folks planned for this. You know, a lot of folks did. And, and we have a very, uh, very smart bunch of individuals in this industry, you know, but I'm just saying to be realistic, uh, you know, it's going to, these cars are going to take some time to get through and moving mm -hmm. forward, you know, um, any investors that are listening out there or whatever, uh, we do need more tank car certified facilities. So, uh, we need to continue to grow. We need to, as an industry, we need to continue to look at opportunities for growth and efficiencies. You know, this, I've said this for years and years and years to my staff at facilities. Um, it's a relay race. If you remember as a kid, running relays, whether it was in gym class or track or whatever, right? You pass that baton to the next department, the next department. And if that baton drops and hits the ground, everything comes to a screeching halt. So it's very important to look at your efficiencies. And some of them you can't handle, you know, you can't have control over, I should say, um, because it involves, you know, the customer having to, to do something or a part supplier having to do something. And, and if there's delays on those ends, then obviously uh, there's only so much you can do. But um, efficiencies matter. Um, so we, there are things we can do there to help some of this. Um, and planning, you know, as rail car owners, in, in, uh, you can also uh, reserve shop space. You know, a lot of companies will do that. 
So, you know, they can talk to those companies and say, hey, you know, do you guys reserve shop space? If so, how do I go about doing that? And it's probably going to inc include a volume commitment of some kind. But uh, those are just some things that folks could do to try to help, um, you know, with their fleet. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, that's awesome. I, I'm glad that we took a moment to give you a chance to be the expert here because you don't you don't talk that much about what you know and your knowledge. You know, you give little snippets here and there, but you really give way to your guests, which which is also awesome because when you got an expert, you might as well let them talk, right? But I think I think you're right. Coming up in season two, you should tell a few more stories and get a little more into your expertise. So speaking of season two, what's in store? What What do we got? We have, and I can't give it all away. Well, yeah, don't tell them everything. No, because you might have somebody out there that's, you know, the next uh, blossoming podcaster. That's right. So, so we don't want to, and, and I welcome that, um, but we don't want to give away all of our guests. But we have some really, really cool guests coming up, uh, which includes folks within the regulatory world mm. and some, some decision makers in the regulatory world, which I'm really excited about, who have agreed to come on. Um, some folks within the linings and coatings world, which we haven't talked about at all. Mm -hmm. I think that's important to, to shed some light on how that all works and, and, uh, the importance of it all and what it's meant to do. Um, we've, we're talking with folks within the government. We actually have mm -hmm. some folks that, uh, are either Congress folks or senators. And so I don't want to give it away, but, uh, they've agreed to come on and talk about, uh, different ways the regulations are, are in, in funding, uh, in fact, what we do. So I'm really excited, uh, you know, and rail car manufacturers have agreed to come on. So we're going to see a lot of uh, mm -hmm. more of a broad even uh, scope than we achieved in season one. And then we're going to have a lot of fun as well, because there is a uh, an organization. Again, I don't want to give it away, but yeah. um, that a lot of people don't know exists that I've reached out to and they've agreed to come on as well. So we're going to have a lot of things. Some surprises uh, in store. Yeah, for sure. Especially at Christmas. Uh, you and I talked a little bit about some ideas that I had for the Christmas episode in 2023, but we didn't have a lot of time to pull it off. But um, I think in the holidays uh, this year, it's going to be some fun stuff too and some surprises there as well. Uh, I think I'd have fun doing that. Yeah, I'm excited. What conferences are you going to go to this year? So there's a bunch coming up, but the next one is going to be the mid, I'm not sorry, the Midwest, but I just had that one, no. the Southwest Association of Rail Shippers Conference, so SWARS, mm -hmm. and that's going to be right here in Galveston, and uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing everybody here in my backyard, um, March 5th and 6th, so I will be here in Galveston March 5th and 6th for the SWARS Conference, and I will, again, have some challenge coins with me, so I know that there's folks that were disappointed they didn't get challenge coins um, at the Mars Conference, but don't be sad. I'll have some more with me. I'll bring them with me for Suarez. Make sure you get a hold of me, tap me on the shoulder, and uh, I'll have some to give out. Awesome. That sounds great. And anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up this episode? About everything? About everything. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> about season two, but really it's about season one as well. Season yeah. one and season two. Yeah, I figure this is our 2024, um, you know, what's ahead. You know, mm -hmm. what are we looking forward to this year? Um Gosh, I think I just want to thank everybody again yeah. for, for the success of season one, all of our guests, um, our future sponsors, because there are sponsors coming on board this year, excited about our new series like Tech Talk that we're going to be addressing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think we're going to do some try to do some remote stuff, which will be fun this year as well, especially like that smokehouse. If I don't if I mean, hey, if I die, it'll be on GoPro. <laughs> so, you know, we'll have that. <laughs> it's going to be traumatic to edit. But just, all right. You'll be all right. 
right, man. At least you can get to keep the eagle hard hat, you know, yeah. in oh. my memory. Thank um, you. But no, I think, you know, all in all, that's that's really, uh, we just wanted to make sure we circled back with everybody, kind of caught up on everything. Hope mm-hmm. everyone had a happy holidays and excited about the new year. It's already off to a running start. Geez, we're almost in February. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's about it. And other than uh, wanting to recognize our anchor sponsor, as we always do, the Revolution Rail Group. Uh, so again, if you're needing consulting or brokering services, please reach out to us at 844-455-3434 or info at therevolutionrailgroup.com. And again, you can check out our full suite of services at therevolutionrailgroup.com. John, before I go on with our closing, is there anything else that you wanted to share with our audience? Thank you guys for listening. Keep it up. Share it. Review. That's right. That helps us a ton. So please do that, folks. Please share, share, share. And our online store will be live here soon. So thank you for all your patience. We just want to make sure it's perfect for you and gives you a good experience. But uh, it looks amazing. We're going to get that off the ground here soon and hopefully by February. Um, stay tuned for our next episode in February. We're really looking forward to that. I can't tell you who our guest is yet. It's a secret. And God bless. Make it a great day. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on the American Railroading Podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on a future episode or want to support or sponsor the show, please visit our website at AmericanRailroading.net. Thanks again for joining us today. And we'll see you next time on the American Railroading Podcast.